So we're talking today about mom guilt. This is a subject that I really like to speak about because we can get condemnation and guilt and shame and conviction all lumped into one pile. And when we sort through them and we're able to determine what is conviction, what is condemnation, and what are the two types of guilt that can flow into either funnel. Um, I think there is a healthy guilt and an unhealthy guilt. Then we can determine how to take action on that. And so today we're talking about guilt. Usually this term is related to moms, but it really can be parent guilt. It could be marriage guilt. It could be all kinds of guilt. So stay tuned. If you feel guilty or if you've never felt guilty, you probably should. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and subscribe. If you are on YouTube for all of December, we are posting three times a week. So you will see us Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you're listening on Apple, iTunes, or on Spotify, then Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to click the subscribe button there as well. And if you haven't already, leave us a rating or review. Those mean so much to us as we close the year out. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Wow, Katie, I feel like you said so much in the intro. There was like so much content that was delivered just right there in the introduction to the episode. So I'm really actually excited to hear what you have to say on this subject. Because when I brought it up, it was a question that we got maybe this week or, or last week. And again, I've said this before, before, but thank you all for participating in these Q&As that we do on Instagram because it really does give us food for thought and different things to, to consider and to, to speak to here on the podcast. But this question was was worded like this, and I, I appreciate the way that it was worded. It says, how, how to overcome the guilt of leaving children with caregivers like grandparents for events? And you can take that so many different ways because I think that we've all felt at times and you can speak to it from the perspective of a mother, but even as a father or, you know, a man uh, feeling torn at times with even prioritizing your marriage sometimes, uh, what seems like over your children and maybe leaving them for overnight even, you know, or multiple nights for the sake of your marriage and having some conflict in, in your, in your heart over it and feeling guilty about that, but then seeing that that actually can be a really good thing for your marriage, which in turn is really good for your children, uh, and then distinguishing between that and then thing guilt or conviction that should probably really be considered and tended to with action. Yeah, I wrote an Instagram caption several years back that I have reposted several times, and it was pertaining to mom guilt, and really it was separating out the different kinds of guilt we can feel, because mom guilt is this blanket term that we often will use anytime we feel bad about doing something like this, like anything, anytime we feel bad hmm. as, as a parent, um, like maybe leaving our kids for an event. But the problem is, is that sometimes we don't separate out that some of that guilt might be, might be conviction from the Holy Spirit. And we tend to pat each other on the back as moms and say, it's okay. You know, we all feel guilty. Sometimes you're just doing what you need to do. And sometimes that's an unhelpful response to have. Sometimes that guilt is a healthy conviction. And we're so quick to point to Romans, which I do think is it is an incredibly freeing verse for the Christian, which is, do you have the reference for there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus? Yeah, 8-1. Romans 8-1. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just an incredibly freeing verse. And I don't want to negate that in any way, shape, or form. No doubt. Because it is powerful. 
but we can stretch that verse outside of its context and outside of its intention and say that anytime we feel bad, that's not of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we can just keep right along doing what we're doing. And that's not what that verse is saying. Yeah. I mean, you already alluded to it, like I said, in the introduction, uh, the term there, condemnation, it's speaking in like regards to our legal standing before the Lord. We are legally justified. We're not condemned legally because of our sin. He has paid the price for us. And there's nothing that can like condemn us once again uh, as far as like judicially before the Lord, which is like you said, the most powerful. I mean, again, Romans and like that, that kind of like that, that arc there. Romans 8 is so powerful and so freeing as a Christian, but it was actually your uncle Wade, Uncle Wade, that first told me one time, we were having a conversation a while back, and he was saying, you know, condemnation speaks to your identity and something that you can't change, whereas conviction speaks to something that the Lord's put on your heart where you should make changes in your, in your life. And that really resonated with me because when you think of being condemned by our sin apart from Christ, there's nothing that we can do about it. You're like, this is just my legal standing before the Lord. I am guilty. That is my that is my state right now uh, before a holy God. And then he saves you and his righteousness is imputed unto you and you're no longer condemned. And so there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now as children of God, we have the blessing of being convicted by our holy God, who is our father that is refining us and he's shaping us more and more into his own image and he's you know, again, just, you know, people would call that probably sanctification, making us holier, making us look more like him in the practical uh, application of life. And that is a blessing. And that comes through conviction, like new convictions as a Christian, we can probably all attest to like new convictions almost daily or weekly or monthly when, you know, you get married and all of a sudden things that didn't convict you before now convict you. You have children, now things that didn't convict you before now convict you. And as he continues to refine you and you study his word, there is real conviction that takes place, but that's not condemnation because the cool thing about the conviction is that with the Holy Spirit, we can grow in it. We're not, we're no longer bound or enslaved by the sin that's convicting us. He set us free, and so we can find conviction and say, wow, thanks be to God who set me freed from this, and I can now do something about it and, and walk free. Yeah, that's such an awesome distinction. And I am thinking back to a specific comment that I got in regards to that Instagram post. And the reason why I'm referencing this is because I'm assuming that it might reflect some of our listeners' opinions. Hmm. And I had a woman uh, really lay out very Uh, clearly that she disagreed with the post because there is no guilt with Christ Jesus. And so we should never feel guilt as mothers was her, was her argument. And perhaps that is technically true, depending on your definition of guilt. But what I want to encourage all of us with here today is that conviction can feel a lot like guilt. Hmm. We feel the same negative knot in our stomach that something is wrong here. And, you know, we read Psalm 51 where David had just committed, you know, his number one sin here. Mm, The big one. (laughs) And the Lord's judging him for it. And he's just speaking about how his sin is weighing on him, how his sin is ever before him, how he feels terrible about this sin. And he's asking that the Lord cleanse him from it. That feels a lot like guilt because straight up he was guilty. And was God 
standing above him with a stick telling him he was guilty? Well, kind of the way that the law is. Mm. The law is our schoolmaster that shows us how far we have to go to be perfect mm. with Christ. But at the same time, the Jesus's blood dying on the cross, we're totally cleansed. We're totally covered fr from that sin or that sin is totally covered and we are righteous in our standing before God. But as humans, it's good that we feel that guilt mm. and then turn to Christ and thank him that we're free from it and that we are not condemned by it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we can't say that. Oh well, well, David shouldn't have felt guilty in that moment because he was saved, and Christ just never makes anyone feel guilty. Yeah, maybe, I, he, maybe he does not make anyone feel guilty. Is what I'm trying to say. But our actions can make us guilty. Yeah, again, re whether or not we're supposed to feel guilty or see ourselves as guilty at different times in our life as Christians, uh, I think you said it so well. Oftentimes we confuse feeling convicted and feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. And so you can just take that in and of itself, because we know Christians should feel convicted from time to time throughout this process of being refined. Uh, and so if you just take that a right there and say, oh, that's mom guilt, you don't, don't beat yourself up, or that's dad guilt, don't beat yourself up, you're fine. That really actually is doing a disservice to that Christian, especially mm -hmm. because you are eliminating them the opportunity to once again acknowledge the work that Christ has done and walk free from that Thing that actually is encumbering in your life. And then I was going to say one more thing in regards to the condemnation. There is no condemnation. I think you can hear it in statements. When somebody says something or you say it about yourself that, as I mentioned before, is a part of your identity, it's, it's saying, hey, you are, Katie, you're a terrible mom and you're never going to be a good mom because you're so lazy and you only serve yourself. Mm -hmm. That is a con condemning statement because it's speaking directly to your identity, things that you're never going to change. It's just saying, this is the way that it is. And people can say that about themselves and it would be a lie. Say, I'm, I'm a loser. I don't have what it takes to be a godly man. I've always failed. I always will fail. And, and therefore this is my, my lot in life. And you're, you're self-condemning versus the feeling of the conviction of sin and you acknowledging, oh, you know what? I was short with whatever mm -hmm. my children and I'm convicted of that. I can repent. I can confess that before the Lord, repent, you know, and confess it before my children and walk free from that. That doesn't, it doesn't determine who I am. I am not that sin. I am not, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the purveyor, even though I acted that way, that's not who I am. That's not in my uh, identity. And so because of the gospel and because of what Christ has done, it should be a consistent practice of Christians to confess our sins one to another. Like we're told to do, and was that First John? You know, confess your sins one to another, because every time you're doing that, you're acknowledging what the Lord has done, His grace in your life. You're not speaking to it as this identity thing, saying, "Hey, sister, I'm I'm a this is who I am. Oh, wretched man, am I?" We're not living with that Romans seven identity anymore, but we are acknowledging when we fall short of the perfect God and how his grace is so sufficient. And that is the opportunity to preach the gospel to your spouse, to your children, and to yourself on a regular basis. Get a discount when you sign up for what? The Growth Initiative and the Get It All Done Club. The Get It All Done Club is a home management program. Link down below, you could see a free masterclass about everything I teach on creating a peacefully productive home. And the Growth Initiative is about becoming the man that you feel God has called you to be, but you don't have the systems and the support to become it. So if you're looking to grow together this year as a couple, even if it's in two different veins, we encourage you to check out the link below. You'll find a discount to the couples package. And if you want to 
learn more about either of these programs, you can watch a free, free webinar, a free one, a free webinar for either one of the courses. Yeah, and I, I love how you went back to that condemnation piece because I do think that is super important. And I just want to, I guess I'm going to just push it just a little bit further though and, and feel free to disagree. I'd be curious what your guys' thoughts are in the comments. But I do think that there is a form of guilt that is healthy because it's a guilt that brings us to Christ on our knees. And I think of that, um, I think of this passage in Genesis when the brothers are seeing Joseph and realizing what they've done. And it says, truly, we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. And so he, it, they're begging for forgiveness from Joseph. And I don't think that guilt is wrong. I guess I would say I, David was guilty of sin. We are all guilty of sin. We've all fallen short. And guilt can be a beautiful red flag that the Lord has gifted us to be like, hey, you're reevaluate, reevaluate. And sometimes the devil can twist that and he can use that and he can use it as this, this weight. And so that we don't see ourselves as Christ sees us, mm -hmm. which is not guilty, mm -hmm. but is perfectly cleansed. Mm -hmm. But those emotions of guilty, those emotions of guilt, I should say, are I think there is a time and a place for them and when they are deserved. And, and I think we can use them as a healthy thing instead of encouraging people to never feel that emotion. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. The whole sentiment that is so prevalent this day and age of anytime you feel bad about anything, especially regarding yourself, then, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't yeah. ever feel that way. Like, right. And so people are ready to give you a reason for why you should not feel bad. But again, taking that guilt piece, you know, even you take it into marriage and uh, if I wrong you, say I lose my temper or I am deceitful in any manner, you know, or I, I look upon another woman and I come to you and I confess it, mm -hmm. there is an element, like there is a real guilt that is felt there and it wouldn't feel like very much of an apology or yeah. a confession to you. I said, hey, Katie, you know, I know I told you that I did this with the money, but I actually did this, but I actually don't feel bad about it. I know I'm not, there's no condemnation in Christ and I don't need to feel convicted, but I just thought I would tell you, that's not a good apology. Yeah, exactly. Right? I do like, think feeling the weight of our sin doesn't negate what Christ has done and his right. righteousness and that that is not our position before him. But I do think that that is a part of the process of reconciling, of feeling the need to repent. Because if we don't even feel the need to repent from anything, why would we repent? Mm. Yeah. You know, just say like, I'm sorry, God, for my sins, but I know you've done it all and I don't feel bad. Like, right. I, I do think feeling bad is part of the process. Yes. Not like, to wallow in no, it. No, you don't wallow in no. it. You don't find your identity there. You Each time it should just draw you to this place of gratitude more and more, where you see the chasm between you mm -hmm. and God, how wide that is, and, and you see what Christ actually accomplished in, you, you know, bridging that gap through his blood. Because it is easy when to when you view yourself as like pretty good or kind of you know better than the guy next door, and you hear Christ died for your sins, you can believe that and be like, that's pretty cool that he did that. Because I do feel bad about that one time in eighth grade that whatever like that you think you did poorly, and, and then as you grow, you're like, oh my word, my the best thing I can do is filthy rags, like the Bible tells us. And my first thought in the morning, I'm full of idolatry. You know, I'm full of covetousness. I'm full of anxiety. Selfishness. Yeah, selfishness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and just comparison. You can just start going through 
all the sins that are kind of acceptable sins culturally. And you realize how all of the, those are the very things that put Christ on the cross. Like when he was getting scourged and when he, when the nails were going through the palms of his hand through the crucifixion process, it was like our little hidden sins. You know, it was our, like, it was our, the thought we had about our spouse that was kind of disrespectful. You know, it was snapping at our children. It was dishonoring our parents. Uh, and so the more you realize that it doesn't just compress you down and, mm-hmm. and bog you down to this burdensome, uh, place of condemnation, it should, with the proper understanding of the gospel, bring you to a place of gratitude and in living in light of what Christ has accomplished with joy. Yeah, it's just incredible that we have the opportunity and the gift of living so free and so light when our sin is so heavy. And, you know, Christ took that all on himself. So obviously we went really deep and heavy with this, I feel like, right off the bat for such a Low-key question. (laughs) Like really low-key question. We're talking about sin and death and guilt. But I do think that all these terms, it can be helpful to define these terms because Mm. in our culture, these are thrown around in these really casual ways. And if we don't identify what we actually believe about them, then we can have faulty theology when addressing even, you know, light lighthearted questions like this. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you you brought that up because I I didn't realize how caught up we got there in in the, I guess, the heavier side of it. Because, you know, the Bible speaks to there being things that maybe weren't a sin for you before and now are a sin. Like there's these objective sins out there where you're like, oh, adultery or, um, you know, drunkenness or lasciviousness or like you know, the Ten stealing. Commandments. Yeah, like those yeah. are objective, objective sins. And then we've all probably experienced this where something that didn't bug us before, like I already mentioned, uh, all of a sudden now your conscience is kind of pricked and you're like, well, you know, it's not, nobody said anything about that before. My pastor's never said anything about it. I don't really see it in the Bible. And you kind of suppress that conviction or that guilt and you keep living your life to the point of where you're like, you know what? Like the Lord's impressed upon my heart that, and it can be something so specific to you. Like I, you know what? I've got this association with going to whatever restaurants that have a bar in them. And for me, I just, I can't with a clear conscience do that anymore because of my past or my associate, whatever. It can be something so specific like that. Um, or going to the beach. Like I, I, you know, I don't have, I don't have the association. I'm trying to think of a better example. I don't know. Oh, I I think these are all great. Those those work. Yeah. And nobody's going to tell you it's a sin to do that thing, but all of a sudden you realize it, it becomes a sin for you. And I think with parenting, this happens uh, a lot. It's happened to you. We, I think we mentioned it recently uh, in our own lives where, I, in case we didn't mention it, you know, is when we were sending our children to the childcare there at our small group and we were kind of suppressing our gut instinct or what you could call conviction and then it became conviction, then guilt. And it finally took another parent, you know, the Mickles, pulling their kids out of the situation for the reasons that were bugging us. And we're like, what are we doing? Of course that we knew it. Like we did feel we had that instinct and you can call it intuition or you can call it a conviction and they can all like you say kind of start feeling convoluted um but with these things like oh should we leave our parents or our children with our parents well of course that can be great in some contexts and it could be a sin in other contexts probably and so that's probably what you're getting to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly maybe sin is too strong a word for this but there are healthy reasons that we feel bad about something hmm. that we have to fight when it comes to our kids. And I'm going to give you an example here. When, like putting your marriage first before your children, 
that is a hierarchy that God has designed. We are supposed to first focus on a relationship with him. He is preeminent, not just prominent in our lives, as Jerry Pinterman loves to say. Nice. I think that is such a good just distinction yeah, there. He's in all things and by him all yes. things consist. And he is a part just, of our marriage. He is a yes. part of our family. He is a part of our um, whatever we put our hands to do. He is mm. just a part of all of it. He is not... He is in all of it. Yeah, He's he, not a one part, Yes, I should say. And so there's there's Christ, and he just infiltrates through everything. And then we have our marriage, and our marriage is incredibly valuable. Mm. It's the first um, woman is this helper for the man. And in doing that, you do bring children into the world. But, I mean, in most instances, <laughs> obviously that's not, <laughs> that doesn't qualify your role as a wife. But I would say, the Lord only, the first role he is speaking to when it comes to a woman is as man's helper, hmm. not as a baby maker or right. feeder or lover and nurturer. Hmm. And I think that that is an important distinction because as women, these little beautiful souls need us and rely on us and depend on us. And they depend on both parents, but we take on that primary caregiver role when they're really little. And there's a lot of hormones attached to that. And, you know, we feel needed and they feel taken care of. And it's this very reciprocal, reciprocal process that sometimes it's not as obvious when our marriage is dying on the vine. Hmm. You know, if you don't feed a baby every three hours, they start to you know, there's a really short time yeah, they let span. You know. Yeah, before they let you know that they aren't healthy. But in your marriage, you can go days or weeks or months because you're dealing with a mature adult who can put off having their needs met or feeling like a priority for a very long amount of time. And then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out and mm. you're like, what on earth yeah. is going on? Yeah, I mean, like you say, like two adults have a way of kind of like coping or suppressing feelings. Uh, even in the midst of an unhealthy marriage. And I mean, this has happened time and time again, probably throughout the history of the world where, you know, children are brought into the world, brought into the world. And the, and the woman, you know, takes that role very seriously of nurturing the child and, and tending to their needs. And like the husband takes the back seat and probably at first with like a very, like seeing the value in it. Yeah. Like these are both our children. Yeah, and exactly. And you see it, whatever, whether it's postpartum season, you're kind of like, Oh, absolutely. Like this is priority. Like you, you need to heal. You need to recover. We need to really tend to this baby. And, and then at, at some point that probably it can, when that doesn't stop the priority of still being the baby and then the child, the husband can probably build up resentment, you know, and it just drives a wedge in the marriage. Yeah. And it's just unhealthy. And so going back to that example, we took a trip recently to Hawaii and we took Lionel uh, because obviously I was breastfeeding him, but it was a trip that we were taking for our marriage ultimately. Mm -hmm. And it was a really hard trip for me out of all of our trips. Sometimes I'm really looking forward for the overnight break to just like hang out with Elisha, talk one-on-one, -on -one. we craving that romantic connection or that emotional connection or whatever it is. Um, but for whatever reason, just where I was at and my motherhood, where my hormones were at, I really missed my kids on the trip. And I loved the time I got to spend with Elisha. It was kind of a bittersweet trip because of a lot of things that were going on. Okay. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> it was not uh, the trip that we would have planned yes. and it was kind of planned for us. So there were some bittersweet elements in that where we were both looking at each other like, we both want to be back with the kids. What's yeah. going on right now? Um, but 
There are times when we will feel that way as mothers, and I believe we can override that with scripture. You know, so if I'm, if I am feeling like my children, I want to be there for my children, but instead I'm being there for my husband, Mm -hmm. I think that that is a scripturally healthy override of those, maybe that mom guilt. Sure. End quote. Yeah. And that, pro- I mean, I'm with you. And in, in, in this instance, I hopefully that was the case, you know. And oh, I think yeah. That was I mean, we had an awesome time. It was super healthy for us. Yeah. Because I, I mean, this this is assuming that like you're really on the same page with your spouse, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> you know, that there yes. is, that is a, a godly, healthy marriage, which should be the expectation with Christians, right? I forget. I think it was our old pastor said a normal, like, hope you have a normal Christian marriage. And we're like, what's an, what a normal Christian marriage? Like a normal Christian marriage is vibrant and you're unified and, you know, you're loving one another and there's respect and there's mutual admiration. And so I want, I, I agree, that's the right expectation to have for a Christian marriage is that you and I are aligned and that I'm not going to be asking you to do something that's detrimental to our children or no. that leads to the neglect of them for the sake of, you know, saying you need to be my help me, you know, and come on this no. three month backpacking trip you know, whatever through the Swiss Alps. Like, no. And that's not what it was. It wasn't at the detriment to our children. And we, I don't think we've ever done a trip where it's been for Elisha and I at the detriment of our children. Hmm. And that is why I think, I think it's been healthy for our children. But as moms, we tell ourselves that we are needed. We like to feel needed all Mm -hmm. the time. And we tell ourselves, my kids need me. I cannot leave them for an overnight. I can't leave them for two or three nights. Hmm. They're going to, who knows what they're gonna have attachment issues or whatever the case may be. And then of course we get back home and the kids are just bouncing off the walls, you know, so stoked to see us. Yes, they missed us, but love the time with their aunts and uncles. It was a totally healthy experience. And sometimes reality does not line up with what our emotions are saying. Oh yeah. And that is that's, what I'm trying to point out here. That's a fact, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a fact is that when you can logistically look at a situation, children if you are doing an overnight with your husband once a year, twice a year, whatever it is, we are big advocates of that. My parents did that. Your parents did that, Elisha. And it has been nothing but healthy for our families. Mm. And so regardless of what we tell ourselves, regardless of what the emotions are telling us, I don't think that guilt is conviction mm. <laughs> from the Lord. And I think that as long as the children are in a healthy, safe place being taken care of, then that is something that we need to force out of our minds to be able to enjoy our times with our husbands. Yeah. And this is where communication, I think with your spouse is so crucial, uh, because there is an intuition and just an awareness that the mother has that the father might not have at any given moment. And you've told me actually a couple times recently where you're like, Hey, you know, that's not, I don't, I don't think the kids are in a good spot for you. Like even you taking a free day, going free day. I was like, mm-hmm. why don't you go away for the night? And you're like, I don't think our house is in the right spot for that. Like we've been traveling a lot. The kids, I think, need consistency. They need structure. The best thing for me and for the kids and for everything is if I not take a free day, but be here and be consistent. And that and that was you being informing me like on the the state of the home, you mm-hmm. know, as a state of the home address. And I think you can do that as, you know, a wife or obviously as a husband, but the wife's gonna have some intuition in regards to the young children, I think that that the men will not have. And they can speak that. So be like, hey, this probably, you know, this might not be the best time for an overnight trip. But, but, but I would argue that the majority of women lean towards prioritizing the children over their husband. 
I don't think they always have the best insight into this right? when it comes to their marriage. Hmm. Because the majority of women that I talk to don't want to go on a date, don't want to go on an overnight. It's been years. And let me, let's say this. If it has been years and it's never been a good time in the health of your home to go on an overnight or to go on a long date night with your husband, you know, and come home, spend the night at home or whatever, but go on consistent dates, then you need to do better at getting the health of your home up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm serious. There is something to that. It's, it's telling if it has been years without you doing something without children in mm. your marriage. And that's not a good sign. That is not healthy. That is a sign of when your children are grown and out of the house, you're looking at your spouse going, who are you? And right. why do I want to stay here with you? Yeah. And it's a really dangerous place to be in. You don't want to just be uh, roommates with your spouse or partners raising this these kids. That's not healthy for your children to see. And it's not healthy for your marriage. Yeah. And so just, just have that maybe be the wake-up call for or the gauge for whether or not it's healthy woman intuition or being with your husband is more emotionally challenging. Mm -hmm. It's more physically demanding. You know, your baby, they unconditionally love you. They don't have any words to talk back to you. You're the total authority. Your husband is not thinking that of you. And I think it can be more challenging for women to participate in that romantic relationship than in a relationship with a little blob of love that just <laughs> loves you unconditionally doesn't demand anything but food and a diaper change mm. so anyways okay so that's that's the one side of the guilt well, i didn't i never realized how sac self-sacrificial all those romantic getaways were i me. love going on oh, overnight sounds with you, like it, you yeah. know that <laughs> you know that i'm trying to throw in the one time that i might have related with Sure. The dozens and dozens of women that I've talked to on this yeah. subject you know that will not leave their children. Is it, I, I think that that's far more common than it is uncommon. Yes. Uh, and I miss my children. I'm not saying, I'm also not the mom that's like, oh, the kids aren't even going to notice I'm gone. Like yeah. we all miss each other. Missing each other is healthy too. Like I love them, but I love the times when Elisha and I get to get away and be footloose yes. and fancy free and pretend like we're, you know, well, we are young and we are dating. So yeah. be young and dating, right? <laughs> which just does. I think it's really special. We come home with a new spark in our eyes and the kids love to see that too. Okay. So that's kind of the one side. I just want to clear that out of the way. So if you're feeling bad about leaving your children with grandparents or other loving relatives that you feel like your children are going to be safe around, you just feel bad doing it because the instance is your marriage. I would say, Hey, push that in the back of your mind. The Lord's got your kids. Focus on your marriage. Have a good time. Have a blast. And then come home and you'll be a more present and vibrant mommy and more present and vibrant couple, Lord willing. Mm -hmm. The other side of the coin is, because it really comes down to this question, in my opinion, I don't know what you think. What are you leaving the children for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you think, is that what comes to your mind? Absolutely. And and that's where the whole, you know, if th this could be a healthy conviction. Yeah. You know, if... If you think you, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just putting this in like guys terms, you know, you'd be like, oh, I need guys night. Like we go and, and this is, we've always done this, you know, we've done it for 12 years. We go and we get beers and we talk about life and we really need this for our life. And you're doing that at the detriment of your home. It's like, no, that's, and you're starting to feel conviction about that. Cause that's the thing is that you mm -hmm. could probably do that for multiple years and it actually is fine. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be a good thing. And there's probably going to come a point where like, this is not 
good anymore. Like this is out of balance for what I need to be prioritizing in my home. And that's, I think, when we're prone to going and finding validation in like two seconds. Okay. You go and you speak yes. to your counselor, to your pastor or whoever, some, some, you know, a third party and, and you frame it in a way, or you just state it and you're like, Hey, well, you don't need to feel bad about that. You know, you, you need you time. You need time to connect with the guys. You need to unwind. You need to decompress, whatever, you know, you need to find encouragement. And, and they basically negate that healthy guilt that was there instead of saying like, well, yeah, no, like one night a week is a huge deal. You know, that's, you don't want to leave your wife and your kids for that during this season. You know, you've got four kids, you know, th these ages, that's crucial. Yeah. Go home. That, like, that's a good, that's a good thing to feel convicted about. Take action on that. Uh, so, th so yeah, the scenario and what the activity is that they're, you know, leaving their kids for kind of like, it really matters. matters. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, recently saw something and was hearing from a woman who her, she was feeling mom guilt, you know, she was feeling bad because her children were in daycare, but she was the primary provider and her husband wasn't working at the time, but he did have a lot of time to go and do things like golf all day long. Hmm. Okay. And so, so it seems like he was physically capable. It seemed like he was physically capable of holding a job. Yeah. This is the situation that they wanted. They yeah. were choosing the situation, which is no parent, being the primary care provider of the children, her being the primary provider, and basically saying, well, we're over a barrel here. She's primary provider, and she also can't take care of the children while she's providing. I don't know why the husband's not showing up in this conversation, but I just didn't say anything about it <laughs> at the time. And so, so, of course, the kids have to go get taken care of by a third party. And I think in that instance, this, this gal was saying she was feeling mom guilt about this. And you should absolutely feel conviction about that. That is an unhealthy reason to be sending, to be not caring for your children. Now, there might be someone who doesn't feel conviction about that because it's a situation that for whatever reason they feel totally comfortable with. Then I would say, okay, you don't feel conviction about that. The Holy Spirit will convict you if you're supposed to be convicted about that. But, well, you know, I'm not going to be a huge fan. But, but what I'm saying is, if you are feeling, there's no condemnation there. That is conviction. Right. Act on it. Do something. Either, I mean, I know what my, I would say my best case scenario is, but regardless, get those kids out of a daycare situation that you feel bad about. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of a bizarre scenario. Very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not super crazy. Like this happens a lot. And I think this is what's unfortunate about culture today is they will say, don't feel bad about having your kids in a facility being taken care of all day when they're in these very fragile ages. You need to do what you need to do. You need to earn money. You need to earn more money than you actually need to earn. <laughs> you need to be able to take time for yourself. You need to be able to do all these things. But, oh, your husband wants to go on a two-night overnight with you? Well, you should feel terrible about that. He's mm. taking you away from your kids. Got it. You yeah. need to be home with your kids. Okay, do you see that? Yeah, I see what you're this saying. This is what's applauded, is do not prioritize your marriage and have your kids not be there. Right. But you can send them away for any other reason. Yeah, your career, yes. your schooling. Your your comfort. Self-care. Yes, yeah. your selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> send them away for all those reasons. But they're going to have serious attachment issues if you do not bring them 
every time you are there with your husband. Yeah. He can't date you like he did before you had kids. Right. Yeah, you're so right. Isn't that, that is crazy? A, that is it's a so sad. Message or co- common sentiment uh, in Christianity, which yeah. is insane. And yeah, I, I was just thinking of things that I think you and I have at various times felt conviction on regarding parenting. Uh, you know, we've talked about it with screens. It's like, man, this doesn't seem right. Okay, this was before we were doing a bunch of reading on it or finding research or data and all that type of thing. Um, with our iPhones, it was the same thing with eating at home versus eating out. Um, obviously, homeschooling versus any other type of schooling, really. You know, obviously, we've considered private Christian schools at various times. Obviously, that's really great for um, some people. But knowing, you know, public school wasn't an option. Um, and then I think of uh, just different things where we are going to live and what we we're going to do for work. I mean, I think of just the difference in, in what your life is from two years ago. Like you felt a conviction based off of how much you were working yeah. in the business. And you could have found 100 million thousand people to tell you that you didn't need to feel that conviction. They did. Yeah. They all told you. What are you they talking about? They all told about? me I was wrong for feeling convicted to not work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone told me you are wrong for wanting to stay home with your children and not be a work from home mom. Right. Now you guys see me on the podcast. That's a fun outlet for Elisha and I. It is involved. It is involvement in the business, but I'm no longer working on a daily basis. Oh, in, yeah. In money making activity, and what a gift that has been to our home. Oh well, yeah. The net. I'm so grateful. What like, a gift. Just like it has been to me. I think all those things I listed. And it's not that we did it perfectly. We didn't do it, you know, instantaneously when we had the conviction. Maybe we lived with it for too long. Yeah, it took like a year probably. But then finally, when we actually took action on, you know, not having our kids in front of screens, getting rid of our iPhones, getting you less involved in the business, um, the blessing, the freedom, like just like that clear conscience, that unity where we were both like, of course, like we, we knew this was the right thing to do. And I think a lot of parents actually want to be told Mm -hmm. that what they're feeling is the right, like, yeah, it's the right conviction. You're right. Like you should yeah. get your kids out of that school. You're right. You should not have your f- kids hanging out with those friends. Like y- your instincts are right here. Yeah. And the way that this question is phrased right here, read it again real okay. quick. If you don't mind. Yeah. It's hard to know. Cause it's like, go, I feel like I could go either way. It says how to overcome the guilt of leaving children with caregivers like grandparents for events. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a one-off event, like if it's a wedding or something mm-hmm. like that, then I think the way that you overcome the guilt is you just, you have to logically think through, they're in a good environment, I'm a present parent, they're well-loved, they don't they don't need me 24-7, they can be there for three hours while I go to this event. Yeah, especially if it's with your with your husband. Yeah. If it's, if it's the event where it's like, oh, I've always done this three-day getaway with my girlfriend's. It you know, might, yeah, that might not be a healthy maybe, thing to do. That might be where the guilt's coming from. You're kind of like, I don't think this is the right season anymore for the yes. for the girls' trip. Uh, and it might be. It's not saying obviously these things aren't mentioned in the Bible as these direct sins or not. But what we're saying is some things are worth overcoming that for overcoming the fear or the nervousness of leaving your child, and then other things just straight up aren't yeah. worth the trade off. Right. You're like, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. What else would you like to say, Katie? <laughs> no. 
I mean, I think that's, I think that's it. This question was specifically like, how do you do it? And I think the way you do it is you go to scripture Uh, and that is the way you do everything, (laughs) but you go to scripture and you say, okay, what is God's hierarchy? What does he say should be my priority here? Should this thing be my priority in this season or should it not? And it is really seasonal depending on what age your children are in. But the only, the only like exception to this rule that I would encourage is you can't put your marriage on pause for any season of life. So regardless of how hectic it is or how hard it is or what a big deal it would be financially or emotionally or any of those things with children um, to invest in your marriage, you can't just say, we'll come back to that in five years. Yeah, those five years, you can't get them back. It's going to be really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just wrote down. You know, as far as where the conviction is coming from, you think of... What, what a gift, the Holy Spirit. And when you spend a lot of time in God's word, and I will be the first to admit, I don't always do that. Like I go through droughts mm-hmm. of not having the clarity on my my footing because I'm not starting my day in God's word. You know, I'm not saturating my life in God's word. And every time I go back to it and I find my footing there, the conviction and, on, and, and right and wrong becomes so clear, so evident, like your priorities become so evident. So yeah, getting it from God's word. And then, um, yeah, are you feeling conviction because of like outside pressure or guilt that is not, that shouldn't be relevant? It shouldn't be a part of your life. You know, I think of how many times we've heard from, from moms that are feeling guilty from their, from her parents because they paid for her to go to college, to get mm-hmm. an expensive degree. And she decided to quit her job and homeschool her kids and her parents are making her feel bad for that. And you think back to the priority. That's like, here's the deal. And you, you can still honor your parents and not adhere to their value system mm-hmm. with that. But, but saying, no, I know what's right. I need to prioritize my children right now. And you don't need to live in that guilt that you might be feeling from outside um, pressures in situations yeah, like another that. Another really popular one is just on social media. So you might be feeling this guilt leaving your child for an event that's important because everyone on Instagram is telling you you need your child attached at the hip at all times or you aren't doing a good job. Like you aren't going to be like the tribal cave mother that carried her baby till she was 12 and nursed her all the time or something. I'm just saying that there's all these different opinions out there on how to raise a healthy child. So you just got to go back to scripture because there have been different times in history when women have raised their children differently based on their surroundings and environment. And I think there's a lot of healthy ways to do it. So if you're feeling this guilt or pressure just from other women and from other moms, and maybe you are the type that like the last thing I want you to feel is is pressure from me. If you do want to pack around your child, tell their really old and you love that and and nurse them till they're old you know like yeah maybe your marriage that that your marriage absolutely happened that. in the bible all the time you have moses you have samuel like so i'm not i'm not poo-pooing that either i'm just saying because we're specifically talking about attachment here and leaving your children you can't go on anyone else's standards you really have to talk this over with your husband if he's feeling the same ugh, sick feeling in his stomach you're feeling then just align on that and don't go to the event Right. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of health that can come from just talking this out with your spouse. Yeah. If you're both feeling the same way, it's like, okay, let's not do it. We got, we got to skip this event. Our kids need us. Yeah. It's bizarre. You and I have done this numerous times where there is a decision to make that might seem trivial. Like, are we going to go to the event? Or are we not going to go to the event? Or it could seem big, like a big purchase or a move or a job change. And the peace that comes from 
kind of getting your basics, we, you know, our basic five, you know, that we mm-hmm. got from your dad, where it's like, okay, did we get a good night's sleep? Did we get in God's word? You know, did we do our planner day the day before? Are we eating healthy? Did we exercise our body? That those basics right there can bring so much clarity to your priorities. Mm-hmm. And I think of that when I have pressing decisions to make where I'm conflicted in options, or it could be even a conviction. And then you get up in the morning, you prioritize God's word. And he is so, and at least in my experience, he's so gracious and consistent to bring his priorities to, to light in, in your mind. And, and usually it's like, especially when it, when there's some more subjectively, there, there's things that seem subject, they're kind of subjective in a lot of ways. Yeah, like you said, yeah, it is. there's not this, if you know, if you're like, man, I wonder if I should stop fornicating. I need to get up. And there's like, no, the Bible's clear on that. You just need to stop doing that. But when it's something that is a lot more subjective and subtle and a personal conviction, then there can be so much peace that comes from prioritizing God's word, having the time of silence with him, just him and his word. And, and he really, he can just lead us so clearly. And then you act on it. And there's so mm-hmm. much peace that can come from that. It might make your life more uh, in a short-term way, more complicated. You know, yeah. you, and we've ever, everybody that's listened to this has probably experienced that, you know, where you, you make a hard decision that has short-term loss materialistically, you know, or even relationally with some, with some people, but you know, the peace of God, the past, those all understanding, like you experience that, you know, and you get to experience walking with him. You're like, well, boy, that was worth it. And we, we've, we've all experienced that. We know where to, who to turn to in order to get that peace and clarity for these types of decisions. Yeah. And I would say we, as women naturally go to other women for their input and their advice. And while that can be very healthy, you know, in the get it all done club, I'm so grateful for that awesome community in there. Women have great ideas and stuff like that. But if you're getting confused when it comes to raising your children and things are getting cloudy, I think the healthiest thing I did was be off of social media. Mm. So I am not seeing other women's opinions on how they're raising their children. And the only voices we, as long as you have a loving God fearing husband, then the only voices that really pertain to your situation are the Lord's getting in scripture and your husband's. What are his gut instincts when it comes to his children? that you're yeah, raising You're the ones together. that have to live with the decision. Yeah, and so really listen to those two voices. We tend to go straight to all the women who are willing to chatter and throw out their opinions like I am doing right here. And that's not necessarily the healthiest voice for us to listen to if we're feeling confused. Mm. They might be great to have a tip or a trick or a hack. I think that's great on the practical side. But if we're confused with priorities or anything else, I think we just need to be going to scripture and our husbands and... Um, turning off all the chatter that can make us feel guilty about any number of things because we're doing it just slightly different than somebody else. Yeah, I agree. And that is something that I want to grow in. And I, I, I hope there's more and more resources that are not as segregated when it comes to family uh, discipleship, because I've found that to be kind of a common thing. You obviously have like men's ministries. They might speak specifically to men's issues and you've got women's ministries. Like men's ministries speaking to pornography. Yeah, exactly. Women's ministries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what do you guys talk about in your ministries? <laughs> Gossip? Yeah. How we know, know, like, who we are in Christ, I would say. Oh, like, that you're, like, strong and powerful. Yeah, and, like, stuff yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'd say when I think women's ministries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, the I, I think that there can be so much unity when you talk, especially about things of the home, together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And we've even, even on our own podcast, it's like, I've gotten done doing a podcast interview with a guy You'll listen back. You'll be like, oh, I wish you would have asked him 
this, that, or the other. I'll have a question that I'm like, and I'm like, about. oh, you're right. From a mom's perspective, that makes sense. And then I'll listen to an interview you do with a gal, and you'll say something. I'm like, well, yeah, but see, if you think about like, it, you need some male input like, on that. And point. it's like I think you need the female input on on the other side when it comes to issues of the home. You know, when yeah. it comes to issues of the family. Um, and so I'm sure those, I'm sure they're out there, but uh, yeah. Side note. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.